Okay, it's Maria Daniels here at Successfully Chaotic, and I have Heather here with Outdoor Gear. What is it called? Is it called Outdoor Gear? I guess I should have asked you that. <laughs> we do make outdoor gear. Our company is called B&W Bushcraft. Okay, B&W. Oh, yeah, that was in my notes. See? Told you. Super <laughs> real here. Super real here, because I looked at my plane, Outdoor Gear. No, that's what she does. That's not who she is. So, yeah. Okay. So, you know what? It's, this is how we roll here. All right. So, <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about how did you get involved in doing Outdoor Gear? I mean, what's your story behind that? Um, the company got started because my husband had a desire for gear and he really likes to make his own stuff and really good gear is expensive. So as a hobby, he started making gear and, um, he started sharing the gear on forums and people started asking if it was for sale. So I was like, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I was like, honey, why don't you give me a few things? I'll put them on Etsy and see how it goes. And yeah. so that's what happened. I threw a th- few things on there and they sold and I was like, honey, I need some more. And um, it eventually evolved to being a much larger business. And I, I took over when I was laid off from my job and have been doing it full time for the last four years and just really dived into the outdoor world because we're already outdoor people. So yeah. we get what people are looking for, we really understand it. And our gear is um, designed for a damp environment. Because you see all these super cool videos and people are making really cool stuff, but it's not our climate. So we're like, oh, you can start a fire in one second. Well, try to find something here in the Pacific Northwest (laughs) that's not damp. So yeah, yeah, it just evolved for our love of the outdoors and just wanting to do something we, we enjoy. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I I'm also a lover of the outdoors. We're big on hiking, which I'm in Ohio. Um, it's pretty, pretty much the most boring state I think in the United States, but there's nothing that goes, not like nothing happens here. It's just like just Ohio. I don't even know, but I grew up in Tennessee. Um, and I ended up here in Ohio and I have my kids ask me all the time. They're like, why Ohio? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know. So anyway, yeah, we're just kind of like stuck here because we have seven kids and it's like, like we think about going other places sometimes and we're like, and then we think about the fact that we'd have to buy this giant house somewhere. And one thing about living in Ohio is it's super cheap to live in Ohio. Like the cost of living is so much lower that if we was to try to replicate our house in another place, we could afford it. There's no chance that we could afford that. No chance. No chance we could afford that. So yeah, we're just like, we're stuck here forever. That's the way it goes. But oh, well, anyway. Um, yeah, so we like to hike a lot and we're very outdoorsy as well. And I love that you use the term serial entrepreneur because that's what I say all the time. I always joke around <laughs> that I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up and I'm 40. So it's like probably too late for me at this point. I'm just going to keep <laughs> trying new things. <laughs> I'm the same way you are. It's just kind of like, and I, I like that you're like, yeah, okay, well, people are interested. I imagine like dollar signs going off your head. Hey, this could work. Cause that's what happens with me. I'm like, Hey, people want this. Let's do this. And I actually started an entire, this is not, this is not a lie. This is a true story. I actually started an entire screen printing company because I was like, Oh, this is going to be a great idea. People want to buy these shirts. My husband's a lineman. And um, I don't know how familiar you are with linemen. And actually that may be a, so, you know, people for you to target because they're always they get called to hurricanes and all kinds of stuff and half the time they're living in tent city with not the right type of you know outdoor equipment you know for sleeping out there but anyway um you know they're it's, it's almost like 
I hate to say this because I'm probably going to get bad letters, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's almost like a cult <laughs> when you're on the line. When, yeah, I mean, it really is. It's, it's a good cult, though. It's not a bad one. But it's like, it's like a cult, though, seriously, that you, once you're a lineman, you're like, you're a lineman, and you're like in the line life. And, you know, then everybody's like, hashtag line wife and all this stuff. And they like wear these, I don't, but they wear these shirts and they got like the stickers on the car and they got like the key, they got everything, right? Just like lineman mm-hmm. life. And, um, so all these people are wanting this stuff. And, you know, I had my little cricket that I was like making stuff. I'm like, Oh, cause I just did it as a hobby and they kept ordering stuff. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to just do this for real with zero experience. Like, like actually zero experience. I had no idea how to work any of this equipment that I bought to screen print. I just like buy all this like expensive equipment. I'm like, I'm going to be a screen printer. I'm going to be a screen printer, <laughs> not knowing how to do it at all. So then I'm just trying to find people higher. Please be a screen printer for me. Can I hire you to be a screen printer? <laughs> it was actually really terrible. The terrible idea that I would have lost excuse my language, but I would have, lost my, would have lost my ass on if somebody hadn't wanted to buy the whole company from me. And I'm like, please do save me from my decisions, you know? <laughs> so it actually worked out okay, but it could have been really, really bad. But anyway, I love that, that you were like, hey, they're wanting to buy this. since so you started this, how was your husband? How did he feel about it? Was he like, yeah, go for it? Was he kind of like, eh? Oh, yeah. No, no, he's, he's been absolutely go for it. Um, awesome. We've had, uh, I originally owned a consignment shop for family clothes and learned that I, I I was no good at that. Not a retail store, not a business owner, but you know, again, something like you sounded like fun. So I just jumped right in. Yeah. (laughs) And then my husband and his best friend, um, started an electrical contracting business, whole different area to learn. Um, we learned we didn't really like that either. Yep. So, um, when we got into this business, it was a really fun crowd that appreciated what we made and were willing to pay for it. And that was a huge difference because any, any other business that I had tried wasn't, there just wasn't a big enough market where people were willing to pay for what we were making because I'm also a mixed media artist and being an artist and trying to sell and do shows and stuff, art's very particular. So these kind of things, I mean, it's, it's aimed towards a specific group, but lots of people love it and lots of people use it for all different things. So you know, okay. basically it was, so you're a mixed media artist. So you are like me. You're like my twin. You're like, I do outdoor stuff. We do as electrical contractors. And yeah, I also just kind of like dabble in mixed media. It's like so many different worlds. You are, you're like me. We can be yeah, like yeah. twins. Yeah, I like all different things, right? It's good yeah. to learn. I just love to learn. So that's, yeah. Me. And it was the funniest part of it all is out of all the crafty stuff. I said, I, I always said, I'm not a sewer. And that's what I do full time now. So that's I just, I always funny. was like, I'm good at everything but sewing. I'm not good. I'm not good at a lot of things. And sewing is actually one of them. I, I think I told this story not long ago on one of the podcast recordings, but I'm going to tell it anyway, because it's funny. But I, I always joke around that sometimes I buy this stuff for the person that I want to be. Like I wanted to be this quilter. I bought this beautiful quilt. I'm like, oh, you know what? That'd be so great if I made a quilt. I didn't know how to quilt at all. Didn't stop me. It didn't stop me. I bought all this quilting crap because I, you know, I'm going to be a quilter, of course. And then I watched like half a video. I'm like, nah, I can't do that. So I've got all this quilting stuff still sitting in my house because I was going to be a quilter because it like, I, there was these beautiful quilts and I bought all this crap. And it's just like, because I think sometimes, and I think other people do this too, but maybe not as bad as me. Um, we do this stuff because it's like who we want to be or we admire this in somebody or whatever. But I think sometimes we need to kind of scale it back and say, why am I wanting to do this? Why did I want to make a quilt? I thought quilts were pretty. Well, I can also just buy a quilt from somebody that knows how to make it because quilts <laughs> are pretty. You know what I mean? The whole process of making the quilt actually didn't interest me at all, but I didn't stop 
long enough to think about that whole process. There's actually this meme that goes around that said, I could have bought it for, I think, nine, I don't remember, $90 on Etsy, but instead I spent $290 for the craft supplies to make it instead. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's so me. So I think, I think sometimes, like, you know, especially people that are serial entrepreneurs like us, I think sometimes that's a good thing because, you know, we try new things. We fell on some of them. We went on some of them, but we learn a lot about who we are in the process and what works and what doesn't work. But then there's also sometimes it's like, okay, we need to sit and stop, or this is, I'm talking to myself here, stop and ask myself, why am I wanting to do this? Like, that's been my biggest, like, aha um, Uh with myself on kind of like taming myself back on some of my ideas. Like, I'm like, why do I, why do I want to do this? You know, and if it's like, because I really want to learn how to do it and learn the process, great. You know, I might try if it's just kind of because I want the end result. Well, I just need to figure out how to get the end result. I don't need to get the stuff to try to learn the whole process on everything because that tends to be, that tends to be something that I am bad at if I don't keep myself at bay. As I get older, I get a little better at keeping myself, you know, at bay on some of those things. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. As I get older, I've learned. Yeah, I've learned to try things with people who know before I dive into a whole new hobby. And personally, I like to share when anybody wants to come to my shop and try stuff out or they want to call and ask me how stuff are going, I'm like, please let me share how much work is involved with this. (laughs) And you can see if you really want to spend all your money on it. So, yeah. And I think that I love learning new stuff. Oh, I do too. I do too. But I mean, yeah, I definitely think that you need to think about, you know, why are you wanting to do this? Do you want to learn the process? It's, it's like, it's, well, there's not, they've not been going on now because of COVID, but you know how everybody was going to those wine and painting classes all the time before COVID? Yeah, yeah. I got invited to go to a couple of those. I'm like, that sounds so fun. But then I figured out during that, I'm just good at the wine part. I'm not good at the painting part. It does not <laughs> relax me. I get so angry while I'm sitting there painting. It was like this time last year, the year before, I can't remember because it was pumpkins. So like around fall time, I got invited to go to one. I'm painting these pumpkins and I was so angry because I didn't take my art teacher growing up. And if she's listening to this, I'm sorry, but you did suck. She sucked. And she didn't teach us anything about like shading and all this stuff that you learn in art class in school. Like we didn't Uh do nothing. We did nothing. And so I don't know how to do all that stuff. So I'm like, look at this. I could tell there's shading to it. And I come from a family of painters. Like my grandpa and my grandma were painters. I didn't Mm -hmm. get, like, I don't know how to do it. So anyway, I'm looking at this and I know what it needs to look like. I'm trying to get it to look like that. And it's taken me forever. And finally, the Belavis is starting to look honey, we're going to have to stop. You're going to have to stop trying to do this. We're going to have to move on to the next step. And I'm like, no, but it's not right. It's just not right. It creates so much anxiety within me that now... I, you know, anytime I got invited since I'm like, no, it's not good for me. I'll go and I'll say, watch you paint and I'll drink some wine, but I am not painting. It's just, a, that is not a fit for me because what I want it to look like on my head is not what ends up on the canvas. And I'm just angry the entire time. I'm not a painter. So yeah, it's just, it's funny how you kind of figure those things out about yourself. I'm like, I'm good yep. at the wine part. I'll go for the wine part. I'm great at that part. I can drink some wine, like nobody's business, but painting, nah, it's not for me. <laughs> so how did you get into mixed media? And what is mixed media? Well, um, well, mixed media was this whole enlightenment thing for me because yeah. I was doing watercolors and I tried um, oils and you know, I was just crafting. And then I picked up this magazine and it said uh, mixed media was using whatever you found to do whatever you want. And all of a sudden for me, it was like, what? Art Freedom. Rules? Yeah. What? Okay. I can do whatever I want? <laughs> 
So, um, so then I just started, like, I really like old vintage things. And so I just started working vintage things into my artwork and, you know, old lace and papers and old photos. And I used a lot of um, acrylics. And then I got into resin where, you know, you can mix dyes in them and stuff. And so really, um, we built, we built a beautiful studio for me to experiment in. And I just had a blast and was like, that's it. I'm going to follow my passion. And it wasn't successful. I mean, my art was beautiful, but it's, it's really a hard art's just so subjective to who's looking at it. You know, it's just, it's a really hard, it's a really hard sell. So when the outdoor gear took off, you know, it was like, wow, this people want to pay for it and they like it and it's instantly satisfying and I can still be creative. And, you know, so I'm still an artist. Mm -hmm. I just do it creatively with wool and wax canvas and leather and people want it. So, you know. I like that I'm still creative. I'm just not, I'm just not painting. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that, I'll, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with the fact that, you know, sometimes the things that we're passionate about, the things that we want to do isn't necessarily solving a problem for other people. So sometimes that's hard to get them to pay for it. You know what I mean? Trust me, I've been there on that too. It's like, no, this is so great. Don't you see it? So great, you know, but it's not solving a need. Um, for a lot of people, and art is one of those things, like you said, is very subjective and it is hard to sell art because, well, it's not a need. It's not a necessity yeah, for so many yeah. people, but whenever you're getting into something like the outdoor gear for people that are, you know, in the outdoor world and that's definitely a necessity. And I love that you're able to blend your creativity and things that you used to do in with the needs of other people. I think yeah, that's when you've got yeah. a, like a winning strategy. I found that that is kind of the winning, you know, formula, winning recipe for, success in a lot of different areas, honestly, for me, is if I can figure out how to solve a problem and be able to still kind of be creative, because I'm very much a creative at heart, you know, and a helper at heart. If I can combine creativity and being able to help others in with, you know, their problems, solving their problems, it seems like Mm -hmm. those always work out far better than the ones I'm like, well, this would be fun. Let's try that, you know, with yeah. no goal in mind on, you know, what is this going to do for anybody other than, you know, let me try something out. It's, and I think that was a big thing for me is establishing the difference between a business and a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Cause this definitely started as a hobby and yeah. as it got more successful, I was like, wow, I should probably like take this seriously. And like, you know, just commit to it to, to full time and have a long-term plan. But I really dug my feet in committing to that originally because I'd gone forward with so many other things that hadn't worked out that I was like, huh, maybe I need to hire an accountant. Maybe we need some marketing people. So I was very slow to do all that. But the last couple of years, I mean, we just finished a new shop and we're moving in and we have three times the space and it's so exciting to be doing that and to growing. And we're very fortunate to be in a really cool community. So like we have great customers, we have a really great online presence and people talk about us. So it's really nice to have people saying great things about us online and, you know, um, it's really rewarding and we're not technically a necessity. So I always feel privileged that people are spending their money on our stuff because mm-hmm. they don't need it. They want it. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, so, it probably makes things a lot easier, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I feel like we're a luxury item. We're not, I mean, it's not luxurious, but I feel like. Yeah. I just, I just feel really lucky when people decide to spend their money on our stuff. I feel like that's really cool, but we put a lot of heart into it. So. And I think that's key. I think a lot of times the, the best 
brands, you know, we think about, you know, brands, these big giant brands and, you know, it's, it's the promise behind the brand that really drives home, you know, whenever you're thinking about a brand that you, you know, admire and that you, you know, buy their stuff over and over and over, it's because you like their brand promise. You like what they stand for. You know, you like the quality they give, you know, all that stuff kind of goes together. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, I want to touch on a point that you made that you were so scared to kind of go to the next step because, you know, you had tried that before and kind of, you were kind of gun shy, I guess, maybe a little bit yeah, on trying little. to do it again. <laughs> and I remember feeling that way because on the things, because I mean, I've, I've fell on my face about a thousand times on different things. And when I would do something, especially right after, you know, I would do something, it was like working. I was kind of like hesitant to be happy about it. I'm like, you know, I was hesitant to tell people about it because I didn't want, you know, oh, Maria just fell on her face again, you know, you know, type of thing. <laughs> and, but now, now that I have the podcast, I talk about it all the time and it's kind of become, that is my brand. My brand is what did Maria do to screw up today? You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> that is my brand. I just decided to go with it because I've seen so many people that were doing exactly what you said. They were holding themselves back because of, of fear of failure that I had a lot of people that considered me successful. You know, I'd done this business and that business, but they didn't realize the 5,000 things that I fell on my face on that didn't work. You know, they were only seeing the things that did. And I wanted to, you know, make sure that they knew about that because I didn't want people, you know, kind of holding back and having that fear, like you said, that you had But I do think that that is a normal reaction to have. So what was it, what was it that finally prompted you to say, okay, yeah, I'm a little scared, but I'm going to go ahead and try to take it to the next level what was that moment like I don't know if I had a moment I just know that I want to if I'm going to do something I really want to do it a hundred percent yeah and if if we were going to make this business go then I had to commit a hundred percent so we've been in business six years now that's great. you know and that's that's a lot I mean we're not going anywhere we, we've committed to this this is my life this is what we do but um I don't I don't know if it was necessarily I don't want to say that I was afraid to grow. I guess I just didn't want to get too emotionally involved if it didn't keep going up. Yeah. But, um, but what my husband and I always laugh about is we've always say we've, we've learned what we're not good at. You know, we don't like to fail stuff. We just learn what we're not good at. Exactly. And we keep trying. And, yeah. and this is the, this is the thing where it's, it's worked out. It's really worked out, but you know, as you know, as a small business, it's, it's 24 seven, it's a time commitment. There is no yep. walking away. There is no leaving it behind. And there is no, I mean, like what I try to tell people because people who aren't small business owners don't understand is I'm always on. I mean, my day yeah. starts at four 30 and I go to bed at nine 30. And in that time I'm answering emails, talking to people, promoting online. And thankfully I, I enjoy it most of the time. It's so much fun and I meet the coolest people. So, but, um, you know, it's a commitment. And, and I just had decided I'm, I'm going to go for it. We're going to, we're going to make this explode. And if it doesn't happen, we'll know now. And it happened and it just keeps growing. So that's yeah. awesome. And I think going ahead and trying those things, you know, making sure you have some clarity and a little bit of a plan, but then going ahead and just putting it out there and trying, I think is key because, you know, I've always, like I said, been a jumper on things and there's, there's some negatives to that, but there's some positives too. Cause I've also worked with so many people that they had these amazing things, but they just sat on them because they were yeah. waiting for, I don't know what they were waiting. I'm like, why have you not done this? Well, I don't know because I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Well, you're not going to know unless you try it. It could completely yeah. bomb. 
or it could be successful, but you're not going to know all you're doing is sitting here and just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Wouldn't you rather find out if it succeeds or fails like quickly, like rip it off like a band aid? And I never <laughs> exactly. realized, yeah, I never realized how that mindset, I guess, is not the normal mindset. Cause to me, I'm like, if it's going to hurt, make it hurt quick. You know, that's my mindset. <laughs> you know, I just want it over with. If it's going to hurt, just make it be quick, you know, or if it, it's going to be great. I want to know, you know, I, the, the suspense is not a good feeling for me. And I've yeah. never liked it. I've never been the person that likes the art of surprise. Like people are always like, I love when my husband surprised. No, my husband knows. We, we, we have this like secret code where when he surprises me, I have to actually know what's going on because I don't like surprises. I don't <laughs> want a surprise to go here overnight when I don't know where we're going, what I'm going to need, what I need to do, where are the kids going to be, you know, who's taking care of the house, what are they going to eat, you know what I mean? I am too much of a, like a planner on those things. I like the idea of surprises, yeah. but you know, it's just kind of one of those things. It's, it's like that with business too. I don't want the surprise. I don't want the suspense of sitting on it and perfecting every single bit of it. I'd rather just get a beta test version of it ready. You know, good enough. Don't just slap some crap out there, but get beta yeah. test ready, put it out there and see what the reactions are. And you perfect it as you go along. And I think that that is the key. Because I think yeah. if you sit on it so long, you're going to talk yourself out. Because there's a thousand reasons why you shouldn't do it. There's a thousand oh, reasons you should. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you mentioned that it's hard work. Everything is hard work. And once you, you can get to a certain point, if, if you're able to start outsourcing some things where you can kind of coast and only work specific days on that business, but it's still work. It's yeah. so much work. Everything is so much work. And if you get into it thinking, well, this is going to be the life and I'm just going to, I hear people say, I just want to own a business because I just want to be successful. And I'm like, <laughs> what does that, what does that mean? What do you think that please, word means? Tell me how that works. You just own yeah. it and it's successful. Yeah. What do you, what do you exactly do you think that word means? Cause I don't think that word means what you think that word means. You know what I mean? It's kind of what I'm saying because like, it's, it's not, it's, it is more like, I always like, I don't know if you have kids or not, but um, I always liken it to parenting. It's almost like having another child. You know what I mean? Yeah. My business is like another flipping child, you know, and it's, you know, they go through the same phases. Like they go through the, the newborn phase where you're not sure if they're going to like live through the night. And then they go through the, you know, the infant stage where they're needing to eat every two hours. You're just feeding them money. And you're like, what am I doing? You know? And then you go through the childhood, like literally that like childhood phase, like of the business, you're like, okay, I got this, I got this. But then you hit that next stage of growth where I always say it's like the teenage years and you're back to knowing nothing anymore. And you're not sure what to do because <laughs> your business is growing. You really need to hire, but it hasn't hit that point where you think you can afford to hire. So you're just back to this, like, I don't know what I'm doing phase. And I, I think it's like that. If you can get past all that, then you can take a deep breath and then fine. You can call yourself successful but until you've really <laughs> gone through that entire thing. You know, I, I hear people going, yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in year one. I've gone through my first year of business is going really good. And I'm always wanting to not burst or bubble, but at the same time going, girl, hold on. <laughs> because <laughs> You just think you have it all figured out. And it's getting ready to like go for a nosedive because it does, you know, and yeah, yeah. ownership is feast and famine. It yeah. really is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah, always that's funny that you you like it as yeah. a teenager. Our youngest just graduated from high school. So I totally know what you mean. Yeah, we've yep. got two boys and but yeah, and I also just hired my my first official employee that's not my mom. And and so we're at go. that stage where we're just finally taking it to the next level. And it and it has been like that. It's exactly like you said, like on one hand, we need to, but can we afford it? I'm not yep. sure if we're there yet. Yeah. But it was like, nope, you can only go so far in a day and get stuff done without help. So that's how yeah. it goes. And and you know, yeah. being able to 
delegate, you know, things. Um, I always tell people there's two things that has benefited my business probably more than anything. And it's delegation and deletion because there's so many things that I was doing (laughs) that I didn't need to be doing. You know, I didn't need to be doing my own accounting. I am not an accountant. And when I first passed over my books, my books, and I'm using quotation marks, people can't see me do this, but I'm saying (laughs) my books because really there was no books. It was just like, I was like just paying stuff and writing it down like you do in a checkbook, you know, because I didn't know I'm not an accountant. I, that is not my forte. And I handed in my books to accountant, and then they were like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. And I was like, what? I was just, I just balanced it out. And they're like, well, this is not how you, this, I wouldn't call this books. Yeah. You technically know how much money's in the bank and how much money's you know, coming out of the bank, but I really wouldn't call this books. And I was like, okay, well, so it was funny. Like that was one of the first things that I handed over just because as it started getting more messy and there was more things going on, I really started going lost. And the fact that I didn't actually know how to do books or they didn't actually exist was a big problem. You know, it was a big problem. So, you know, delegating that out was very freeing actually. And even when I first did that, I have like, I had like heart palpitations about it because I was like, you know, cause that's your money. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I don't even know, you know, should I do this? And you hear these horror stories and I'm the worst, like reading these horror stories, like, you know, accountant steals all the money and embezzles and business owner goes to prison for 25 years. You know what I mean? It's like, you hear these things. So I like, I internalize and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's the worst that can happen? And then, so I try to like micromanage it for the first little bit. Um, that's what I used to do. I don't do that anymore, but I did that with the account. The accountant's like, listen, you're going to have to let me do the books. You know, you're fine to get in here and check in all you need to, whatever, but let me do the books because no offense, but you suck at them. <laughs> and I really needed to hear that. I like, okay, I do. I do suck at this. I really do. I admit this that I suck at this. And that actually, that was like the turning memory. I was like, okay, there's lots of things I actually suck at. What else do I suck at? You know, and started yeah. trying to figure out how to delegate other things. And at the beginning, I couldn't afford to hire it all out. So I started mm-hmm. bartering. I live out in the middle of nowhere. I, there's like Amish right here. You know, there's, mm-hmm. I live literally in the middle of nowhere. And um, bartering is still a big part of life out here. So I thought, why not barter out business? Why can't we still barter in business? So I can do X, Y, Z really, really well. And maybe, you know, you can do ABC really, really well. And neither of us are really to a point to hire either of those things out. Well, let's trade it off. You know? mm-hmm. And I did that for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did that for a while. I still do it on some things, you know, because it's like, okay, well, if you're getting what you need and I'm getting what I need and we're not out that cash and it's helping grow our business and win, 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 you know? Yeah. So, and then there were some things that I was doing in my business and you may have experienced this too, that I didn't even need to be doing at all. Like didn't even need to exist. So I deleted those. It was like some of the things that I was going to and thinking I needed to attend or, you know, motions I was going through in my day-to-day business um, activities. It was like a stupid waste of time. So I just looked at those and I'm like, okay, that's not a needle mover for now that's not going to get done right now. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's, so, and those were two things that I felt kind of moved my business more than anything. Can you share maybe, maybe they're the same things or in the same world or um, what are two things or two or whatever, however many you can pick your own number things that <laughs> I don't care what number you can do one, you do 102, whatever. Um, we're, we're easy here. Um, but like that you felt kind of pushed your business forward. What were some aha moments that you were like, okay, well, let me kind of do this. And then you notice that that kind of pushed your business forward a little more. One of the really big things, uh, we're only an online company and okay. I hadn't realized what a huge impact my daily postings were making on our business. And as a family, we, we were doing really well and we took a week's vacation and I took a vacation and I stopped posting and our sales came to a screeching halt. And I was like, Ooh, 
Um, I, I guess my social media is really pushing people to our website and to our company. So that was a real eye opener for me was, was social media and having to keep up on communicating with people what we were up to. So um, I've gotten, well, I've just learned how to do that and still be able to take a weekend off. But it's, it's incredibly important that I connect with the community that we're a part of and that they know we're here. And like you, the other big thing was hiring people who knew what they were doing to do it for me. Yeah. So the accountant was the first person that I was like, oh my God, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're on my team now. Yeah. I don't need to worry about these things. And the second was a marketing team. Now I do all my own photography and my social media, but I'm not an expert in search engine optimization and I don't know what to read into stuff. So I hired a couple to do that and they're amazing. And I, I just feel like they're a part of my team. And then yeah. I just recently hired a lawyer to trademark and I was like, yes, somebody else to do this. Yep. So it's getting, it's, it's admitting I needed, it's admitting I needed help and I couldn't do it all. And then it was finding people who I enjoy working with. So, you know, I really, I really like to connect with people and have people I'm working with just like them as a person and then hire them. So yeah, those were big, big movers for the company. I mean, big aha moments for me. So I like that. And I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, on, on both things. Um, yeah. And I, I like that, that saying that they say teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> you know, it's very cliche, <laughs> but it's true. And I think that you, you know, you hit the nail on the head that when you're talking about, you know, you have to like them. You know, I think yeah. so often we're just looking at resumes. We're like, yeah, the resume is on point. It's going to be fabulous. And then, you know, but your personalities don't mesh and you ignore that because a resume is so great. But yeah. I think it's more important to have a meshing, forget the resume, the resume could look like crap. And if the personality's there and they're willing to learn, I will hire them before an awesome resume, you know, and yeah. that's just my personal you know, opinion. But, you know, I think you have to have various personalities. And, and I know for me, one of the mistakes I made early on in my hiring process is I was trying to hire people just like me. You know, it's just like, oh, you're just like me. I'm hiring just like me. That doesn't work. You know, that does not work out very well because there needs to be people to balance me out. You know, completely. Yeah. I need to balance out. I need somebody to go, no, we don't need to do that right now. We need to do this. So I ended up finding people that I used to do a lot of speaking engagements before COVID. And, you know, I'd be up there and, you know, I was supposed to stay kind of on track. I mean, nobody tried to script me because I knew that was pointless, but, you know, I was supposed to like at least hit these bullet points, but I'd be like often, you know, way off in the field somewhere. And going off on this, I shouldn't tell this story, but and start to, and my people in the back are going, you know, cut it off, cut it off. They're like, no, they're like in panic mode, not knowing what's getting ready to come out of my mouth. And, um, which again has become part of my brand, but it's, it's funny. Cause I'd be, you know, there with very professional people and then, and I'm supposed to keep it very professional. And Maria's like, I got to tell the story, you know, and they're like, no, you know, no, you know, but it's funny, but having those people to kind of balance you out. So, you know, if you know, you have weaknesses in a certain area, finding people that feel that weakness, whether it's personality wise, talent wise or whatever, I think is key. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. super, super important. And, you know, I think having a great team is, and whether it's somebody you're bartering out with, or you've actually been able to hire them, whatever the case may be, having a great team is one of those things that can just soar your business forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, being authentic, like you keep mentioning how you just do your thing. And that's, I feel like that's so important because I feel like people know when you're full of crap because we hear a lot, you're so real, you're so authentic. And I'm always like, what else would I be? That would be a lot of work. I mean, I know there's a preconceived image, I guess, of a business owner or just 
someone who does what we do making outdoor gear but we do really you're so real and it's like well i don't know i don't know what else to tell you guys this is me this is what we're up to we're not playing we're living the life that we're sharing and i just think being authentic instead of being what other people think you should be is what makes it a lot more fun because i'm i'm never on guard i'm just doing my thing and i'm sharing it with people and i think that's that's really important I agree. And I think for some people, depending on like, I know for me personally, I came from, I, I've been in the wellness world way longer than I've been in the professional business marketing world. So I have, I have a wellness company I've been in since 2001. Um, and you know, I've owned it for since 2001. And I started, I mean, I started out as a trainer and kind of gone full circle to now doing integrative nutrition and I'm an herbalist and all that. But that's my, I always consider that my passion world. And then um, in 2008, I got into the business world. So I got into the marketing world and I actually worked corporate for years, but I almost felt like I was living like a double life. Like I felt like, because I, and you know, my business world for corporate, I had to be Maria and her skirt and her heels and all professional. And I hated it. I felt like it sucked my soul out that I had, I, you know, it was almost like I was, I had to be on, you know, I was acting and I had to put on the show. Yeah. because that's what was expected yeah. of me in my job. I was working corporate, you know, but then I had, you know, the real me that was outside barefoot and covered in dirt, digging in my garden. And, you know, and, <laughs> and nobody would have been able to even think that other side of me existed, you know what I mean? Because uh -huh. of who they seen, you know, in the meetings up in the city. And, you know, when I ended up stepping out on my own and kind of leaving, you know, that lifestyle, it was for personal reasons. We have an 11 year old autistic and it just can't, became very hard for me to work on somebody else's schedule. And whenever he was about, and when he was younger, um, I ended up stepping out and just doing freelance work for a while. But again, I actually felt more pressured to be that, you know, like perfect businessy person, because now I'm not only having to go do the work, but I'm having to find the work. And, you know, I always yeah. told myself, you know, what person wants to hire somebody that's a hot mess and slept an hour and a half last night. Cause her autistic child was literally up all night long. And, you know, she milked a cow this morning you know, because she lives on a farm. <laughs> you know, this is true stories. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I had to, like, I felt like I had to keep these worlds so separate and I was driving myself crazy, like actually driving myself crazy. I was exhausted. And, you know, I share this on here that I went through, you know, years of doing that and hit complete burnout. I went through a lot of stuff in 2018 and half of 2019. Um, I, I just completely burned out, just like full anxiety attack, burn out, like done. And I mean, that's all that was last year. And uh -huh. whenever that happened, I fully, I had already started to kind of peel the pieces back that wasn't fitting that completely peeled it all back because then it was like, I had no other choice, but to be vulnerable because I could not keep up with what I was expected to be, you know, what other people expected me to be, what other people thought I should do, thought I shouldn't do. I got tired of it because, you know, even though I love my life, you know, everybody's got messy stuff in their life, you know, and I think the idea, especially with business owners, a lot of times early on, they think they can't be vulnerable. They can't be authentic. They can't tell, well, I did this and this sucked, you know, or I screwed <laughs> this up or, you know, I slept an hour and a half last night because my autism kid kept me up all night long or, you know, the messy stuff they think somehow is going to downgrade them, you know, and, and nobody will want to do business with them. And I just got to the point, I was like, I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. I'm just going to be myself. And what happened is, yeah, there was probably some people I was like, yeah, you know, kind of like <laughs> step it out. Okay. I'll let her deal with her stuff. But my right people came to me and they were fine with it. And I think that's what people need to think about is, you know, if you look at the actual definition of marketing, mm -hmm. it's, you are finding your right people. And at the same time, you're repelling the people that aren't a fit. Because if you're wasting your time on the people that's not a fit for you anyway, you are wasting your time. 
wasting your mm-hmm, breath. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I just decided, you know what? I'm going to be my real raw, authentic. I'm a hot mess half the time and I have no problem saying it. I do good work on the stuff that I do good work on. Some of the stuff mm-hmm. I don't. And so I don't do it. <laughs> you know? So we, I am not a quilter, <laughs> not a quilter, you know, and I have no problem saying all that kind of stuff now. And it's brought in the people that's been right for me. And it's opened up like, it's funny because I never coached and I still don't consider myself a coach, but I used to be a personal trainer um, years ago. So it's funny. Cause I like, like now that I've done some coaching, I ended up accidentally coaching some people. It's funny. Cause I've kind of been coaching the entire time. Cause when you're training somebody, you know, in the gym, it's, it's way more than just having them, you know, do pushups or lift weights or get on the elliptical or it's so much more than that. It's comes it very, per, it's a personal development. It's, it's psychological. It's, it's more psychological than it is anything else. And so it's funny that now that you know, I have a couple of clients that came to me and when it first started out, they're like, Hey, do you do coaching? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like, I mean, I used to coach soccer, you know, <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and they're like, no, I mean, do you like work with, I mean, I work with companies cause I consult. I mean, is that what you're talking about? No. I mean, do you work with like just with people? I mean, I mean, I guess I work with the people and I guess it's the same thing. So, I mean, it ended up being one of those things like they asked for me and I was like, but I, I didn't really consider myself you know, a coach per se, even though, again, I work with people on personal training. I work with people on nutrition. On, I always call it consulting. You know, it's nutritional consultations. You know, I sit down, but I'm working one-on-one with them. And in the business world, I've had a couple of clients now that I'm coaching that it ends up being very, you know, um, multifaceted what we work on. Because what I've come to figure out is that, you know, every, we're also layered. You know, everything is just so layered, obviously. <laughs> But, you know, a lot of the problems that people are having in their business, they think it's very specific business related, but, you know, nine times out of 10, it's very personal. So it's, you know, them holding themselves back because they think they can't or they shouldn't or whatever, or, you know, they're dealing with anxiety or they're dealing with depression or they're dealing with, you know, you know, divorce or they're dealing with, you know, well, special needs kids, you know, or, you know, whatever it may be, or maybe they've got an autoimmune issue or a hormone issue that's, you know, making them fatigued and, you know, making them where they just don't feel good. They just don't have the energy to push it to the next level. So, I mean, I end up, it's funny because I end up digging back on that stuff so often that my business has become very, I guess, blended, even though I've got these different brands. It, when you dig back to it, I'm honestly, I'm doing a lot of the same things at the core level. And one of the things that I always tell people, and this kind of goes into kind of what you do is one of the things that has helped me more than anything in my entire life is making a point to get outside every single day, every mm-hmm. day. And I've always loved outdoors and I was outside a lot that there was days that would be rainy or that I was so busy or, you know, whatever happened and I didn't make it a point to go out. And now that, I mean, that's the first thing I do in the morning. The first thing I do in the morning as I go out and I like to do yoga and I like to meditate, maybe that's not everybody's jam, but they could just go out and sit outside and drink their cup of coffee, whatever it is, go outside, get into nature. Um, I love hiking. Hiking is great. Camping is great. You know, go outside because I mean, there's been lots of scientific studies that just show how much that impacts your well-being and your well-being is the core of everything that you are and everything that you do. Yeah, it's just it just balances you when you get out in nature. I mean, it first it brings things into perspective because when you're out in nature, you're almost insignificant in the scheme of things. But then after you've spent some time outside, you just feel balanced and you feel your place in the world and you're relaxed and you know, just, I don't know, it's fall. I love fall because you get that yeah. warm breeze and the leaves. I mean, I just love the sounds of fall. 
So this is my favorite season right now, but for anybody, especially kids, man, getting kids outside is so rewarding. And when my kids were growing up, they would share so much when we were hiking. Like, I don't know what it was, but being outside, they would not stop talking and they would tell us all kinds of stuff. And I think it was because there was no distractions, but we would hike and they would talk the entire time. And I would learn so much of where their heads were, you know, because kids need to talk a while before they started sharing the real stuff. Right. (laughs) And, um, yeah, everybody always feels rejuvenated. And the, the biggest thing I have learned from talking to people though, is if people go outdoors and they're not prepared for the kind of weather they're in, then all of a sudden they're uncomfortable. And when people are uncomfortable, yep. they start to hate something. So we're always, you know, if you're going to do an outdoor, be prepared. So you're comfortable. So you can enjoy it because, you know, even people that go camping and they don't bring a coat and it gets cold and then all of a sudden camping's horrible. Well, had they just remembered to pack something warm to wear, yeah. it would have been an entirely different experience. So yeah, I, I really, I really emphasize with people, like I've had a lot of women talk to me who want to go camping, but they're afraid to. And I'm always just like, you know what? You just need to be prepared. Make sure you're going to be warm and you're going to be hungry and you're going to be dry. If you've got yeah. all those things covered, you're going to enjoy yourself. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So is that something that you, do you kind of, you know, consult on that? If somebody is like, Hey, I'm really interested in possibly taking my family you know, camping or maybe getting into hiking and, you know, is that something that if they was to reach out to you that you can kind of walk them through maybe some of the things they would need or is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually what I was thinking of doing was putting a YouTube video on, um, I wanted to make a YouTube video on, uh, beginning camping for women, because I've learned that a lot of women are afraid to go camping just because they don't know how to start a fire, you know, just little things that hadn't occurred to me because I've been camping my entire life that, that scare people, you know, or it's too much of an investment. And I was like, you know what, I should just start a video series on super simple things to get people outdoors. And then we actually, we live on 11 acres and the bottom half of our property is a campground. Mm -hmm. So during the summer we have, we have a camp and people come and camp out there and we have meetups and stuff and share skills. So, you know, when people can come, (laughs) we like to have meetups and share skills and that kind of thing. So, you know, we're not just a product. We really like to meet new people and share ideas and teach people things and I love having kids out because they're so open to learn. And every time you learn a new skill, you're a little more confident in yourself. And I, and I think that's really important. And my husband and I are, are very good teachers and he's super patient with teaching people how to stuff. And he's the one that's taught me most of the stuff I know. So it's, it's just, it's just good to share what you know. And we really enjoy doing that. So. I think that's important because I think, you know, there are a lot of people that would probably be interested in camping if they, knew a little bit more what to do. They felt a little more, more confident about what they should have, shouldn't have. And I think sometimes people try to make it a lot harder than it needs to be. You know, you can start small, you know, we're not saying that you need to go like, like on a like 25 mile hike up into the middle of the wilderness and, you know, just like, like pitch a, you know, pitch your tent up yourself and, you know, hunt for your food. And, you know, it's, it's, I think sometimes people have that idea. They do have that idea. Man, you could just go borrow a tent and yeah. bring your blankets and some sandwiches and camp out overnight. I mean, it could be as basic as you want, but yeah, I think people in their head have like, 
survivor extreme yeah. going on right now or, that that is my husband but that's my husband's way of, of but my husband like loves like I mean I love camping too but we have different like I still like some of the comfort things to come with us yeah. when we go he's like go sleep on a rock in the middle of the woods and just then you know I'm like you know no you know it's just it's like that's what we've had to kind of like come to an even medium on these things but he he loves to watch all those like Alaskan we, different, different things Yes. Yeah. He likes to watch all those like Alaskan like survivor things where he's like, oh, wouldn't yeah. that be great? I'm like, no, it actually wouldn't be so great. No. You know, I no. love the outdoors and I'm still looking at it going, no, that would not be so great. I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, work because so, I enjoy the fact that I have electricity. And yes, I like going out in the middle <laughs> of the wilderness sometimes to be able to relax and get away from it all. But I still like yeah. to come back to the electricity. You know, <laughs> I like my air conditioning. I like my heat. You know, I am fine with, you know, having a weekend with it, but I still like the idea that I get to come back to it. You know what I mean? I'm particularly fond of the toilet. <laughs> yes, the toilet is a big thing. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's that's one of those things I don't think guys think about as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't. I, oh, I know absolutely. I, they do not. I, I know whenever I work construction for a while, I know I mentioned this, this, the fact that I did that before we went on air, but um, when I was working construction, it was one of those things that when I would go out on these work, like job sites, I'd be like, okay, well, where's a porta potty? We don't use them. And it, we're like in a field. We're not even in the woods where there's any way to go hide. And I'm like, okay, hey, well, I have a problem with that. Cause I realized that you all could just like unzip and turn around. I don't have that luxury and it's the middle of winter. So I've got on like Carhartts too. So it's a process, you know, it is a process to try to go to the bathroom. And I'm sitting here going, oh, this has got to change, you know? And so we took several jobs before, but finally I'd be like, apparently I'm going to the gas station 15 miles away because I am not peeing in front of all y'all. It's not happening. So they finally started kind of thinking, oh, okay, we have a woman working for us now. I guess we need to think outside of the box on this and maybe get a porta potty. You know, it's just, I think sometimes you know, I think sometimes like uh, the perspective on some of the, you know, the, the men may not be up to par with some of the perspective of the women, which kind of brings me to the fact that if you are in a very male dominated industry, has that yeah. been something that you've kind of, has it been an uphill battle a little bit on being an authority with you being a woman talking about all the outdoors and camping and all that? I, I feel like it's been, um, I don't know want to see if it's a challenge, but when people talk to me, they always assume I'm a guy. So, um, most of my online messages are dude, bro, that kind of thing. And then, so I've just taken to signing all of my online stuff with Heather because people just don't mistake Heather. They know that, that I'm a female. Um, I don't know if anybody's questioned my knowledge because I just don't really push it on anyone. So no one said, you know, you're not legit, but but it was pretty funny when I was like, something started online and people were talking about makers and I was like, and yes, I'm a woman. And they're like, what? <laughs> and so some of the other Girl, makers started calling me bro because they knew I was a chick. And so they started saying bro. And I was like, oh my God, you're making this worse. Everyone thinks I'm a dude. But nah, it's, I, I think um, at least when we go to do like meetups or we do events, then people come meet me in person at first, like we did um, a blade show. So it was mostly knives, but outdoor gear really falls into that category. Yeah. 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 And people would come up and start talking to me, but they would be hesitant, but I'm really good at talking to people. So I don't mind talking to strangers, but you could tell like when we're in person, they talk to my husband first. And my husband is part of the business. He makes a lot of the leather stuff. He's really good at helping me have a vision and stay on it because I'm like you and I tend to go off in different directions and he'll be like, babe, come on yep. back to the Rain vision of the company. It in. Yeah, my husband's Bring it like in, that which I, 
Yeah, I need that yeah. too. So, but I did find it funny that they always talk to him first. And I would be like, so these hundred products I made and my mom made this, he didn't make these hundred things if you've got questions, but we're learning to work it. And my husband will just say, hey, she's the one that designs this and she's the one that's going to sew it for you. So you need to be talking to her. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not so insulted about it or anything. I just think that they, the assumption is, is I'm a man to start with, but nobody's had a problem once they figured out I'm, I'm a woman and I haven't lost any customers because of it. It's just been an interesting, it's been interesting to watch how my husband and I are treated just a little bit differently in person. So yeah, but yeah. not for very long. Once they get to know me, they're just like, oh, well, you're kind of like one of the guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's how it's been with any of the, you know, the businesses that I've had, that's very male dominated, dominated, or even in the industries I've worked in that were male dominated. It's been the same thing. Like once they got to know me, they're like, okay. But at first it is kind of that. I've even had the, well, I mean, can I speak to the person in charge? That'd be me. Yeah, I'm the one in charge. I'm the one in charge. You're in charge of here. Yeah, I'm in charge of this, you know, type of thing. I, at the weirdest, we, we talked about this before I went on about how, you know, my um, resume is very bipolar. One of the probably most surprising and odd um, careers that I've had is, do you know what a wacko is? <laughs> no. Okay. It's a wild animal control officer. And okay. I was like, what would that fit? Yep. Wild animal control <laughs> officer. And I was a wild animal control. Actually, I did not renew my license this year because I was getting so many calls for snakes and beavers and freaking bats in the attic and all kinds of crap. But it was like, I, again, I live in the middle of nowhere. I actually have a farm. That's another thing. I have a farm. I'm a female. I have a farm. Um, and I am automatically assumed that it's my husband's farm. Nope, it's mine. It's my farm. Because people will go, well, can I talk to your husband? It's my farm. I own the farm. It's my farm. You know, type of thing. And I ended up getting certified just because I seen that there was a, there wasn't anybody in my entire county. We were having some problems like with like cattle and stuff like that. And there was nobody to call. So being the person I am, I'm like, that's fine. I'm just going to do it myself. You know, so I go and I take this test. And so it's funny because people will, you know, they would call and they'd be like, we have, we need to talk to um, whoever's in charge. And, you know, cause it was just the business name. We need to talk to the person that's in charge because we have um, a snake in our attic and we need this taken care of. And that'd be me. You're the one that, that takes care of this. Yep. I take care of this. Even though it's also funny that I ended up getting, um, I found a loophole in the system. This also shows my personality. There's a loophole in this, this, this wag. I'll probably get a call from the state now, but it's okay. There's a loophole in the system <laughs> that you can have an employee do some of the stuff for you as long as you stay within a hundred foot of them. So some of the stuff that I didn't want to, we always tried to live capture because I just don't like killing things randomly. I mean, I have, I'm not one of those people that like, if you need to, whatever, to take care of stuff, but I just try to do the peaceful way of just live capture. But there was some of the stuff that, I was not comfortable dealing with, you know, I just wanted to protect my cattle. I didn't want to like take care of all of wilderness. And so some of the stuff I would tell my husband, be like, you're doing this job. You're completely doing this job. And as long as I stay within a hundred feet of you, completely legal. So I would just like follow him around, you know, and be like, do that and do this and do that and do this. And it was one of the things was with the beavers. Cause I didn't know how to capture the freaking beavers. I didn't know how to capture the beavers and not hurt them, you know, and I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't know what to do. And so I made him do all of it. I just stood there and just bossed him around the entire time. And it was really funny, but yeah, I decided not to renew that this year. We, we've gone a different way with our farm. And much like you said, you like to teach. We have where I do like where I'm an herbalist and where I do, I'm a nutritionist too. I wanted to make it a teaching farm. 
um, which yeah. COVID has kind of made that where that's going to be a little bit longer process. But I wanted to be a teaching forum because I get a lot of the same questions on, well, how do you do this and how do you do that? And I, I'm my goal with that is just teach people sustainability, teach people biodiversity because we do organic farming and teach people, you know, how you can live off the land and not destroy it. And so the best way to do that is to show them how forget the products and stuff. So we ended up getting rid of all the stuff that we were selling, except for we got little eggs and I got some herbs and stuff like that. But, you know, we got rid of the cattle, got rid of all that stuff. And, um, are focusing on kind of transition out to teaching because I do think teaching is a big part of it. And I think, you know, we mentioned about getting outdoors and how it just resets you. It's the same thing with, with all of nature. And it can be in the middle of the woods. It could be dealing with herbs or plants or, you know, just, just nature as a whole is so amazing. I mean, it just mm-hmm. really is. And, you know, being able to work with nature is key. And, you know, I'm a big, 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 big pusher of, you know, trying to do things that improves, you know, if you're going to do something with the ground, improve the ground, you know, and there's ways to do that naturally, you know, composting is, I tell this to people, we actually had somebody on, um, as a guest, um, not very long ago, we haven't aired that episode yet, but it'll be airing soon where we talk to them just about composting. Little Mm -hmm. tiny things can make a big difference. Taking up Mm -hmm. composting, or like you said, going out in your backyard and and try it out in your backyard, try camping in your backyard you know, and then maybe slowly move up because people think they have to do these grand things. You know, if they Mm -hmm. want to take care of the earth, they think they need to go buy 111 acres and, you know, just just start this permaculture society, you know, or they think they need to, you know, (laughs) be a survivalist in the mountains. And, you know, you can scale it back and do small little things that make a big impact. If you've got something you want to try to do, do it small scale and then kind of go from there. So you mentioned that, you know, you've decided that you're probably going to start doing these classes, um, on YouTube to be able to teach people. I think that is a winner. I think you definitely should do that because I think there are so many people that would use that and enjoy that, especially if it's geared towards women and geared yeah. towards even moms taking their kids. Cause I know that was one of exactly. the things, you know, you know, it's one thing to go out there and like survive myself, but you know, as well as I do, and I've said this to my husband before, I'm like, it's a different camping experience for me than it is for you. <laughs> Cause <it's, laughs> I'm like, you go and you're enjoying the outdoors. And while I enjoy the outdoors, I also have to do all the things I have to do at home without the stove, without, <laughs> you know, the sink, without all the luxury. So then it's just like, you know, I'm having to figure out how to do all the things that I need to do at home. Well, any of the things that I need to do it with. So, I mean, some of those things, like, you know, when we first started taking the kids camping, it was like, it was definitely a wake up call. It's like, okay, well, crap, we don't have this. Or, and again, I have a child that's autistic. Having him, you know, just like wash with like a wipe or do like these things. He does not like those changes. Uh, it, it was a process. It was a yeah. process for him. So like yeah. having little things that it's like, okay, well, have your food taken care of. Keep it simple. I mean, keep yeah. it simple, which we, we did. We've got like a big cast iron, um, I don't even know what you call it. I always call it a cauldron. I don't think that's what it's really called though. <laughs> I call it a cauldron. Just a pot. Just a pot. Okay. I call it my cauldron. But anyway, it goes over the fire, cast iron. And I mean, we do a lot of beans and we do, you know, it's super, you know, easy over the campfire. I think sometimes people try to get so flipping fancy with stuff. And yeah. I have these people that are like, well, we do these like, like foil. I don't even know what they are. This is foil. We throw it on there. I'm like, that is too much for me. Number one, I don't really do the foil thing much. And number two, I don't want to have to deal with a thousand ingredients that, you know, most of my kids are gonna be like, I don't like this. And I don't like that. So really I'm making 45 meals out there. You know what I mean? It's just like, keep it simple. 
You know, we always bring like fruits, like I could just eat. I have to do nothing with it, you know, and we'll do beans. And we just try to do like one pot stuff that doesn't have a bunch of stuff that I'm having to pick out for this one or add in for this one. And, you know, I think that is the key with trying to camp with kids is, keeping it simple. It's that same thing. Keep it simple, yeah. stupid. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what, like where, uh, do you already have your YouTube channel set up for that? Or is that something you're thinking? Um, about well, we have a YouTube channel with videos of the family and some of our gear and stuff. And it, we are PNW Bushcraft shop okay. on social media. So on YouTube, that's where you can find us. And that's, I mean, I will, when I do those videos, those will go on the same site because Great. you know, just keeping everything all together, sharing, yeah, sharing what we know and what we make all in one spot. Yeah. So, but I just, I just really thought it would be, it would be good to share information so people aren't so overwhelmed. Um, another big thing, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there, we're part of a place called Hip Camp and it's where homeowners um, let people come camp on their yeah. property. And we had a camper come and she said um, she was exploring options for alone female camping. And they suggested that she rent on hip camp because there's a family nearby, like to rent yep. somewhere where you could be by yourself. But if there's an emergency, somebody can contact them. And, and I was like, that was a really good idea because she was, she was scared, but she wanted to camp by herself. So yeah. you know, we're not right next to the campground, but we could hear if something happened. So I thought that was a really good option too, because I didn't realize women were afraid to be camping alone. Like I've just... I've always been a couple. So it just never even occurred to me to be yeah. concerned about it. So talking to her, I was like, wow, I bet that's a legitimate concern for other women is if they're going camping alone, are they safe? So that, would, that was yeah, another that, thing that hit. Yeah. That's a good one. That would be a whole, you know, another lesson is, you know, yeah. what are some steps you can take if you are camping by yourself, you know, to be, be able safe. to be safe, you know, what are some steps you can take, you know, make yeah. sure you have that person that knows where you're at you know, yeah. or even you could, you know, plug the fact that hip camp has families right there. I mean, I love that because I've never thought about that too. Cause I've never had the luxury of even thinking that I was going to be able to go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what would that be like? You know, it's like, I don't get to do, I don't even get to go to the bathroom by myself. I haven't, I haven't even entered that stage in my life yet. I have a three-year-old who still thinks she has to do everything with me. And I, you know, again, I'm in the bathtub and she's like, it's bath time, mom. I'm like, yeah, I love to be drowned because she tries to wash my hair, which just means she like drowns me with cups of water over and over. It's really, really Aww. enjoyable. Yeah. So it's like, again, me and my husband live different lives. It's like, if he, if he goes and takes a shower, he goes and takes a shower. If I take a shower, we take a shower, me and my three-year-old, or we take a bath where I get drowned. Yeah. It's, it's not the same experience of life. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, so yeah, I mean, I like the idea of having things. I mean, your husband could even talk to the guys and have some for men and then you could come from the women. And then you could also, since your mom come from the mom and maybe he has some stuff from the dads, because I know there's a lot of, um, you know, father, son camp out things that go on. And, you know, maybe there's some men out there that would love to be a part of that, but they didn't grow up camping. So they may be very nervous to go take, you know, if they grew up in the middle of the city, they may be nervous to kind of take their kids camping because not only do they feel they're risking their own life, but their kids too. You know what I mean? So I think that, I think that would be great. I think that would be a great thing to kind of go with because it's, it's definitely something that, I, even if you think you're not, you know, the outdoorsy type, I may have friends who are like, well, I'm not the outdoorsy type. Well, that's fine. You know, whatever. But, you know, I still think that there's some, you know, parts of outdoors that everybody can enjoy. Like everybody can enjoy. I really, really do. And I I think that you don't really know what you will enjoy unless you try it. So even if you say, I'm going to go camping one time, 
you know, I'm not outdoorsy, but I'm going to go camping one time and you hate it. Fine. You hate it. You know, at least you have that experience. You'll never know unless you try. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They also have glamping. They also have glamping too. There's lots of places that offer you those beautiful tents with beds and the fire pit. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I've heard of glamping. Actually, I thought glamping was more glamorous than that even. I thought well, glamping was like, I thought it was like, I, I've, I've heard of glamping and I think I've seen like the, the Pinterest things where it's like these like super, super made up campers. Is that? Oh, possibly. But I mean, when I think of yeah. glamping, I think of the canvas tent with the actual mattress in the tent. Yeah. So you're not sleeping on the ground. That, that, okay. would, be, that would be my step up for glamping. That would be your glamping. But everybody's yeah. different. Cause I was, I was thinking it was like, cause I've looked at some of the stuff and I'm like, okay, that is not camping. <laughs> that's not camping yeah comfortable bed so yeah that's funny okay so if 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 you had to kind of go back I like to like shock people with these questions every once in a while but if you had to go back and you there was a few things that you did different when you were starting your business um or maybe there's not, maybe you're like, no, I did everything amazing. But you know, there's a few things that you could do different. I'm just kind of trying to, I'm trying to talk to the people that, you know, maybe they aren't at the part at the point now that it's been six years, they've been in business and they're not really sure if their business is that, you know, you know, valuable yet or not, or viable, I guess I should say uh-huh. it's always valuable, but even if it's a learning process, but if it's viable yet or not, what are some things that maybe you would go back and say, well, I should have done it this first, or, you know, maybe I should have focused more on this or not as much on that, or just kind of a a few little takeaways for people that right now are saying, you know, I'm interested in, you know, pushing my business forward, you know, but I'm not sure, you know, what my steps should be. Um, uh, the couple of things that I can think of right off the bat, when I started, I would have written down a plan. Like as, as the business has gone on, I've started to plan farther ahead and had goals to reach. And I find having a clear path really helps keep me on focus. And then also I would have talked to more people in the industry and maybe got a mentor because I think learning from other people's, you know, successes and failures is so important. And that's why personally, I'm always like, yeah, ask me questions. Don't, we struggled uh, even just finding our, our material to make our products at everything I had to learn from scratch. And so I think that if you can find somebody that you look up to and you're really committed to what you're doing and you're not wasting their time then you should talk to them. You know, like if you have an idea, just really, I talk to people in the industry, see what's working, see what's not working. I wish I had done that personally. Those are the two things that I had had a plan and I had talked to more people in the industry and um, information that I pass on is don't let fear guide your decisions as a business owner. I feel like so many people don't do stuff because they're afraid and we all learn. We all either go forwards or backwards, but we're always learning. So people shouldn't let fear, you know, make their choices for them. So. Oh, I love that. Those are good takeaways. And those are actually two things, you know, planning and then getting a mentor that I would have done too. And I think I was so focused on, I did have an end goal kind of, you know what I mean? Kind Uh of an end goal, but I was so focused on the goal. I wasn't thinking about the steps that I needed to take to get there. I was just like, just going through the motions every day and wasting so much yeah. time, you know, in retrospect. And then, you know, I didn't have a mentor cause it was like, I almost felt, I guess I didn't want to be vulnerable. Like I've always had a problem with vulnerability. Like I'm, I'm a helper. I love to help other people, but to ask for help, that is like, Oh, that is so hard for me to no, do. I get you. I get you. <laughs> It is so hard. So to be able to be vulnerable, that was like so hard. 
so hard to do, but I think it's so important though, because, you know, I had somebody say something to me one time when I started kind of being vulnerable there, they were like, you know, I told them that I didn't like being vulnerable. And they said, that's very selfish of you actually, because do you realize when you're vulnerable, that allows other people to also think that it's okay to be vulnerable. And I was like, ouch, <laughs> I never thought about it like that. You know what I mean? Because I've always considered, I definitely would have never considered myself selfish. You know what I mean? Cause I, I constantly give and sometimes give to a fault. You know, I'm definitely one of those yeah. people that have been a doormat a lot, yeah. you know, because I like to help so much, but you know, I never considered that a selfish action that I was also not allowing other people to help me. And that put it in perspective for me. And so it's still, that is not a natural thing for me to ask for help. It's like so hard, but I do do it now. And I do say, Hey, can I learn from you? Or, Hey, you know, I'm not really sure what to do this step. Do you mind to have a conversation so we can talk this through? I do that now, even though it is not easy, but sometimes the things that we need to do are the things that are not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really love that. I love your, you know, your takeaway of, you know, do it anyway, you know, do it afraid, you know, because yeah. fear is definitely part of the process. I love mm-hmm. that. So if, if we're going to go ahead and wrap it up and I've been like talking a lot, but, um, so that made this like super long, which happens a lot, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> if, if somebody's wanting to reach out to you about your products and to learn more about it, um, uh-huh. what's the best place they can reach you? And I'll make sure and have the links in our show notes when this airs. Oh, perfect. Okay. So yeah, our, our, uh, website is pnwbushcraft.com. And I am really great at email. We have terrible reception at our house. That's why we're podcasting in the car at the park. (laughs) But I answer all my emails and that's pnwbushcraft at pnwbushcraft.com. Okay. So yeah, people can definitely reach out to me about products, ideas. And even if they just want to ask me about the business, I'm always happy to to share information. So thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. It was great. And I'll have to, I haven't checked out your gear yet, but I'm going to get on there and check it out. And I'm just curious to see what all you got. Um, and I'll make sure the, <laughs> the links to your YouTube channels on there. So when you start doing those videos, people can find you. Okay. So sounds good. <laughs> no pressure at all. A little bit of pressure actually. Cause I want to watch. Them. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> now I'll just add that onto the list of things to yeah. do. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been great. Thank you. Stay exclamated. LA Times, I stay on page six. I'm even.